Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Pre-Med Perspectives. It's Vigie here, and I'm joined by a really special guest, and her name is Stephanie, and she is a doctor of physical therapy, or a DPT for short. Um, her Instagram is at dpt.staff, and she has a lot of really cool content on there, and she's also a podcast host of the All Things Physical Therapy podcast. So we're really excited to have her today to kind of talk a lot more about the field of physical therapy. So with that, um, Stephanie, please go ahead and introduce yourself. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah. So as you said, I am a doctor of physical therapy. I am based in New York City and currently working in the acute care or inpatient hospital setting. Um, I've been a DPT for almost two years, which is kind of scary to think about now that I realize that um, because time is going by quickly. And I started the DPT Steph platform or Instagram um, to kind of help students and mostly in the PT profession, but it's kind of branched elsewhere um, and other professionals as well, just to kind of bring light to the profession and all that we have to offer and the many different types of patients that we can work with. Um, especially being in the acute care setting. It's, a, it's not just orthopedics. It's not just those with sports injuries or pain, which a lot of people tend to think of. And obviously this pandemic has brought our resources and needs much more to light. So it's kind of been weirdly good timing to kind of show the impact um, that we can have. Uh, and you, you were right. I also have the, I recently started the All Things Physical Therapy podcast. Um, and that is a podcast geared to uh, bridging the gap between students and clinicians or the clinician that they want to be with an interdisciplinary approach. So again, just highlighting um, not only physical therapy, but also we've spoken to um, DOs, MDs, occupational therapists. Um, We're going to have a bunch of guests that are in the nursing field coming up and just all different specialties from oncology to rehab to PM&R, for example. Um, So lots of lots of cool things coming for sure. Mm -hmm, That sounds really neat. So again, to our listeners, definitely make sure to check out um, the All Things Physical Therapy podcast as well, especially if you're interested in PT school. And um, with that, uh, Stephanie, could you kind of talk about um, what inspired you to go into physical therapy? Um, You know, what made you interested about the field? Yeah, so I actually have, I guess, a less traditional story. I feel like a lot of people go into PT because they experienced PT themselves from being an athlete or just somewhere in their pre- college experience, I would say. Um, and I actually thought I wanted to be pre-med or wanted to go into medical medical school or medicine this whole entire time. But I always fluctuated with the idea of like becoming a physician versus becoming a PT versus a PA, et cetera. So essentially what I did was spent my first two years of my undergrad career shadowing almost any and every healthcare professional I could from PT and OT to PAs to surgeons in and out of the hospital in different settings. Um, And the reason I actually fell in love with PT the most was just the rapport that we're able to build with patients consistently over longer periods of time. And where I feel like we're the ones that can make such a huge impact on someone just to get them back to what we would call like a functional goal. So if they're, it's more than just a broken leg, they might be deconditioned from a hospital stay or from a surgery or personally, I like the neuro side a lot more. 
um, you know, post-stroke rehab and things like that. So there's also a thousand different settings and populations that you can work with and you can fluidly move throughout them without having to go back and get board specialties or a recertification somewhere or take another exam seven years later. Um, so multifactorial for sure, but that's the long answer as to why I ended up um, as to where I am today. Um, I'm really glad that you were able to shadow those different you know, fields so that you could figure out um, exactly which one resonated with you. I feel like there are a lot of students out there who are kind of in a similar position where they, they know they want to go into healthcare, but they're unsure exactly what avenue they want to pursue. So I think you know, that was a really great way to help you narrow down exactly what it is that you want to do. Yeah, exactly. And I know, obviously, with the current times, um, a lot of places are closed or restricted. It's so hard to get observation hours right now. But I do encourage you to keep trying to knock open doors. Um, like if someone place says no, just keep trying to the next one. And I think you also have to think of, for example, I did, um, like I said before, I was a surgery or surgery observation, but I also did like an in-office observation. Um, observation as well. So I saw PAs and MDs in both different, like both settings, even though it's the same profession. So just to kind of get an idea of what I would experience. And I think that's the biggest thing. And I did the same thing for PT. I was in a hospital, I was in a nursing home, I was in a pediatrics outpatient center. Um, so I think that's the biggest way to kind of get an idea for what is out there and how much you can do, even though it's the same degree. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you definitely had a variety of experiences before you picked. So kind of um, now that we go into the next step, could you talk a little bit about the application process for PT school? I know for med school, there's the MCAT, for dental school, there's the DAT, but is there any um, exam that's specifically geared for PT school? Are there any um, notable prereqs? Just anything that you can give us? Yeah, so um, I think it's more similar, I guess, to PA school where you would need the GRE. Um, most schools require the GRE and many of them will have minimum scores that you need to achieve in order to apply. And then the biggest, the second biggest factor I would say would be your GPA. So most schools have the same prereqs across the board, but they might vary by one or two. Um, but you need your standard science classes that you would for like pre-med or something similar with like your bio, your chem, your physics, and then all the other little caveats here and there. Um, and then your observation hours, essays, um, this is like so long ago, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's like, that's pretty much it. Um, I think the biggest thing is that, that they look for in applicants is the well-roundedness. They don't want the standard I knew I wanted to be a PT because I got injured. Here are my classes. Here's my average scores. Um, you know, GPAs are very competitive and like it is for med school, you need like well over a three, five for most top schools. Um, but I would say, yeah, as far, long story short, <laughs> um, the GRE would be the test that is required for admission. Okay. That's good to know. And I think the rest of it seems pretty similar to other healthcare fields where with the GPA, the standard science classes, um, shadowing essays, probably letters of rec as well. So yes, um, yes. Yeah, so that's good. So that's, they're all kind of similar in their own way, but um, all different as well, because like you said, they want people who have a demonstrated interest um, in being a physical therapist and rather than making it seem like a backup option or 
something that they just randomly picked. Exactly. So um, going off of that, I know it was a couple of years ago, but could you kind of walk us through um, the reality of PT school? Um, how many years is it? What kinds of things do you do? Um, just uh, whatever you can remember from PT school. Yeah, of course. Um, so the PT profession, you can get into the PT profession two ways. One is if you did one of those combined programs with like undergrad and college, usually they're six years. Um, so like three years of undergrad, three years of PT school. If you did it like I did it, where I went to college for four years and then applied to PT school after, um, it would be a three-year doctorate program on its own. Some programs are now trying to be hybrid and go to two, two and a half, um, which is a little insane because PT school was probably the hardest three years of my life. Um, I would say that anything that you think about when you think about going into a healthcare profession and you're like, wow, this is gruesome. Like it's true. <laughs> um, PT school will challenge you and it will be very stressful, but the biggest way that you can get yourself through it is by time management, stress management, recognizing signs of like burnout or lack of self-care. Um, you are thrown like sometimes 20 credits into a semester where you're in class from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. I remember there was a day of the week I even had class till 7 p.m. Um, and it is including summers. So it's three straight years and then you have to take your board exam for your licensure at the end of your three years. Um, I'll backtrack a little for a second because you also have clinicals during your three years. So every program is different. Uh, I looked for a program where I had my clinicals spread out through my three years. And what I mean by that is I had one year of classwork and then a short clinical for six weeks. Then I went back for two semesters, had another short clinical for eight weeks, went back for one semester, and then I had two more clinicals to round out my three years. Some programs do like straight through two years of classwork and then your third year is mostly clinical. Um, so that's just something to look for as well. So you're kind of back and forth classroom and clinical to get all of your experiences in. And then once you pass your licensure exam, that's it. You're flying free. <laughs> okay, so definitely sounds like um, an intense experience, but um, definitely worth it in the end. But um, that's nice that your program had, you know, that split. I think some people would definitely enjoy that while others would like the straight class and the straight clinical. But it's interesting that there are variations from program to program. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had a quick question here. So, um, the degree is a doctor of physical therapy. So do patients refer to you as doctor or what do they usually call you? Oh, you're opening up a whole can of worms. <laughs> I, I saw a post on your Instagram about this, which is why I was like, oh, this is going to be so interesting. Yeah. So, um, if you're in med school or you are a physician, do not come for me. I will preface that. Um, <laughs> with that being said, I am one of the people that think that if you have a doctoral degree that you should be called doctor. So that means dentist, that means optometrist, that means um, 
like veterinarians, pharmacists, PhD candidates, et cetera. So the, the problem that we have as a PT profession, unfortunately, is that the PT degree was not always a doctoral degree. So I believe more so within the last 20 years is when programs switched from a master's to a doctorate. So it went from two years, three years, essentially as well. Um, because of those who have master degrees are still out practicing it kind of creates like a funky dynamic because those who are now coming out with doctoral degrees want to be called doctor. Um, those with masters are so used to using their first name. So they kind of like having that more laid back rapport with, with patients. Uh, I will say it is completely personal preference. There's obviously no right or wrong. Like I even know medical doctors who use their first names with their patients to kind of create more of that open, relaxed connection. Um, when I, if I were to go to an outpatient clinic, I have no problem saying, hi, I'm Dr. Stephanie or Dr. D'Angelo, if you want to use my last name, but you can call me Stephanie, or I am a doctor of physical therapy and explain it because a lot of people also don't realize that PTs are doctoring professions. Um, with that also being said in the hospital, it is so confusing to patients because they have a thousand and one people that come through the door every day. So I just say, I'm Stephanie, I'm from physical therapy. Or I even realize that nurse practitioners, PAs, or some of the doctors actually do say like, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm the resident or I'm the NP. I'm, and they use their first name just to create because it's so confusing to so many patients. So I think the hospital is unique to this situation, but I do think that as a, we are now a full doctoring profession, there's no more master's programs, like it's all programs are doctorate programs, um, that we need to kind of start using the title a little bit more to educate our patients and other healthcare professionals as well to the knowledge base that we actually do have. Um, so people actually realize we're a little more than just a personal trainer, <laughs> which unfortunately people do think. I think that's definitely like an important subject to talk about that it is interesting that before there were um it was a master's degree but now that it became a doctoral degree it has elevated and so um you have worked towards that but I know that it can get confusing to patients other healthcare professionals so I like that you kind of say that I'm doctor of physical therapy or something like that to kind of that way people understand that you are both things yeah, exactly. And you'd be surprised too. I mean, people who are not in healthcare or have no family members in healthcare, they're completely disconnected from that side of this world, I would say, um, aside from just being a patient. They truly have no idea what the meanings are behind degrees. Um, and I do some more critical thinking over the past year or so as I've been working. Um, talking to other healthcare professionals and, you know, like I mentioned before, like doctors, pharmacists, veterinarians, like all are called doc or they should usually are called doctor, I should say. Um, people don't realize that they don't have medical degrees, that they're completely separate degrees. So yes, there are people who are educated and understand the various degrees out there, but many people are very disconnected from that side of healthcare because they just go in, they expect their dentistry service or vet service, whatever, and don't think about that extra step. So I think it kind of comes down to us as healthcare professionals to really educate the patient, not only expectations of what they're coming in for, but also how we're best suited to help them because of the degree that we have. 
Mm-hmm, that makes sense. In the same way at like college if, with our professors when they have a PhD, that is a doctoral degree as well. And so mm-hmm. you, you do refer to them as doctor, whatever, unless they claim to go by something different. I feel like people are more open to calling PhDs doctor, but sometimes when it comes to other doctoral degrees, they just forget that they exist. So um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's important that healthcare providers support others in healthcare too, you know, kind of giving everyone that respect. Yeah, for sure. So I know you mentioned that um, you were on the front lines working as for um, as a PT in New York. So um, how is that, especially in this whole crazy pandemic? Yeah, so like I said earlier, a lot of people don't realize that PT is more than sports or orthopedic or injury-based care. Um, so I am in acute care, which means I'm in the hospital and being a PT in the hospital, I work with patients who are general medicine patients that come in with a bunch of comorbidities and they just have some kind of exacerbation or infection, et cetera. I work with post-surgical patients from working with like gastroenterology to plastics care, to gender reassignment surgeries, to a whole bunch of other things in between. Um, vascular components like amputations, and then we have neurology, cardiology, and even in the ICU. And what happens in the hospital is patients get weak very, very quickly because they are in bed most of the day. And I say when they're not in bed, they're just in a chair. So they're not really up and moving, especially, you know, you think about when you're sick, you just want to lay in bed all day and do nothing. So the role of PT in the hospital, aside from those who have like specific mobility issues is to make sure that these patients are not getting weaker, they're going to be safe to go home, or they're going to be safe to go to a rehab facility or somewhere else that they need the proper care. Um, So keeping that in mind, being in New York City, we were hit with COVID probably this earliest, I believe, in the country. Um, And when March came, I remember we were fully blown working as a normal hospital one week. And then the next week, the whole city was shut down and the whole hospital essentially became COVID. Um, We were not touching patients because no one knew how fragile they were. Like if they were to get up and moving, like what would they tank essentially? Um, And we didn't, no one really knew what to do. Then we discovered, you know, they learned that um, proning is great. So patients laying on their stomach is great for their oxygen perfusion. And Plenty of our PT staff, as well as PTs who were in outpatient facilities, came to help out in the hospital and help the ICU teams, the nursing teams, um, with proning these patients who were intubated and sedated, etc. Um, then we'd have PTs who were going around to the non-ICU floors and encouraging patients who were able to get on their stomachs to do so, to help again with oxygen. Um, as we know, like COVID affects oxygen saturation pretty significantly. Um, so that was our biggest like frontline defense. Once we realized it was able, we were able to get the patients up and moving because again, we were dealing with weakness from laying in bed. Um, we started doing our normal PT, like general medicine type treatments where we were encouraging mobility. We were trying to get them to sit at the edge of the bed. We were monitoring their vitals. We were monitoring their oxygen. Um, some of these patients were on, you know, six plus liters of oxygen or what we would call like a high flow, um, which is kind of like that last step before being intubated or put on a ventilator. So we're making sure that they were not getting weaker. Unfortunately, because of the amount of patients that we had in ICU level care, 
we had a huge um, influx or I guess a huge flux of patients that came, were coming out of the ICU after 60, 80, some even 100 plus days. And once they were out of the ICU, now they were more debilitated than ever before because we couldn't even touch them when they were in the, in the ICU. So I had patients who took myself and another PT or another occupational therapist even barely with our own strength hold a patient up at the edge of the bed. They couldn't even walk. So now we're dealing with patients that are so debilitated, they're so weak, they're so atrophied from their, with their muscles. Um, they're struggling to do even the simplest of things. So over the past several months, we've seen patients who are like that. We've seen patients who are completely up and walking and talking and have no issues. So we really had a spectrum of we had to go into these rooms and kind of have no idea what the patient was going to be and figure out the best plan of care for them. Um, because you kind of never really know how this virus was, virus was going to affect someone, which was kind of the scary thing. But we were fully garbed in the PPE. We were going from room to room um, and just kind of trying to make the best of it. And, you know, it's fortunately in New York, it's a lot more manageable at this time. And I know other places in the country are really struggling. Um, but PTs are the ones, or even OTs and even speech therapists are the ones that are really going to be the pivotal point in these patients' cares. This, these patients, care, words are hard. <laughs> the care of these patients, um, because we want to make sure that we are you know, getting them back to some function because we don't want these patients to be bed bound forever. These patients, some of them were completely independent before getting COVID. Some of them are marathon runners who are completely active and now they can't even take 10 plus steps before needing like a seated rest break. So it's truly crazy, but uh, you know, it's even outside of the hospital, it's trinkled into the outpatient or even like inpatient rehab settings. And we've kind of had to just keep pushing these patients as much as we can or as much as they can tolerate because they truly are, some of them are truly completely wiped out and to see the impact that the virus has on them is, is pretty, pretty alarming. Wow, that is pretty intense. Um, I definitely feel like um, even I didn't think about it before about, you know, PTs being on the front lines and um, that aspect of COVID. I feel like we all think about, you know, the actual part where they're like intubated and things like that but like afterwards too trying to recover from that to regain mobility to regain their normal way of functioning um is definitely a different aspect to the pandemic that is super important so I'm glad that we were able to talk about that yeah absolutely and even just COVID aside early mobility uh in general is a huge studied area and more so growing I'd say probably over the past 10 years or even five years really than ever before because again we're realizing just how weak these patients get from a normal ICU stay and now throw like this detrimental virus on top of everything else when a lot of them already have a bunch of comorbidities you're even going to see more significant weakness or even like they're seeing the clotting and everything now so it truly is there's a lot of factors that take place and you know getting out of the ICU is great, but you need to also be able to move once you get out of that ICU. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for kind of walking through that because um, I know I learned a lot and I know that'll be really helpful to listeners to kind of learn more about, you know, what it is that physical therapists do aside from just um, recovery from sports injuries. Yeah. Yeah. 
And um, with that, uh, could you do like a quick comparison to the field of PMNR, which is uh, physical medicine and rehab for listeners who may be unsure about that acronym? I know um, the fields are similar, but they're also different. So um, just kind of explaining how you guys work together and what you're what you do differently. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I actually continue to learn about PM&R till this day. So I recently filmed an episode on for my podcast with the PM&R doc, um, which I believe you had on your podcast as well. Um, because I tried to learn more because I see so much about it, but I still never really understood what it was that they did. Um, however, so from my understanding, when we're in the hospital, PTs, OTs, speech therapists, anyone on the rehab team is making a judgment and assisting the medical team into what kind of abilities the patient has and what they're able to tolerate. So for example, if someone is able to tolerate um, a higher level of therapy or rehab, um, more than what they would get for like a half hour. So usually around, if you think they can tolerate around three hours, they would go to inpatient rehab, which is a more intense kind of rehab setting than a nursing home rehab center. And PM and R docs are the ones that oversee those types of patients and kind of look at it from a medical side. So they would be the ones to assist us like, okay, hey, you know, from a PT standpoint, they're Um, endurance and activity tolerance is enough to get them through this intense rehab program, but they also have XYZ medical comorbidities, so they may not be able to tolerate it because of this, or they still have wounds and they still have post-surgical precautions, so maybe they won't be able to tolerate it like maybe a few days down the line. So they kind of oversee the medical side of it, where the PTs, OTs, speech therapists are the ones that are actually like physically in there with the patient trying to assist them with their mobility to get them stronger, balance better, um, quality of life better, really. So we work hand in hand as far as like as a team, but I would say their roles are a little more separated when it comes to like actual patient care, I think. (laughs) Okay, that's interesting. No, I like to um, hear it from both sides. Yes, we had uh, Dr. Finger, right, is who you talked to. Yeah, and so I think it's really cool to hear kind of from their side and then from PT side too. But I think, yeah, it's really cool that the fields kind of work together, but also have their separate roles. Yes, exactly. And just to kind of round out our episode today, um, I just uh, thank you again for all the great information that you said, but just if you could give our listeners any tips for success. Um, I know there are a lot of people needing motivation right now, so anything that you can give us. Yeah, um, I think this kind of applies to all healthcare professionals, but I would, it's kind of twofold. So the first half is be your best advocate. So you know yourself, know your limits mentally and physically, do not burn yourself out. Um, so whether you're studying right now or you're starting a clinical rotation, or you're even maybe getting your first job, I would just say, you know, know your boundaries, know your limits, know what you can and can't handle. And don't be afraid to speak up and advocate for yourself because eventually you're going to be in the field full-time as a clinician and you need to be the best you so that you can be the best for your patients. Um, the second half would be more so as to, don't be afraid to lean on your colleagues, whether that is 
someone that is in your field, as, meaning like they're another med student med or a physician or they're a PT or they're a PA, et cetera. Um, because you will not know everything. You will never know everything, no matter what field you're in. And you need to kind of remember that working as an interdisciplinary team or with other healthcare professionals, you're there for your patient. You need to be the best for your patient and that's gonna be the way to do it. So don't put anybody else down. No one is less than you. You're all equal. Lean on each other, learn from each other. Um, and that's how we're gonna kind of, like I keep saying, be the best for your patients. Mm -hmm. Thank you for those uh, words of wisdom. I think it's really important to keep in mind that it's always good that we can ask for help and we don't need to know every single thing. So again, um, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me today to kind of talk about um, the field of physical therapy and your experience with it. Again, everyone, make sure to check out her Instagram, which is at dpt.steph. And definitely um, make sure to listen to the All Things Physical Therapy podcast. I hope this episode was super informational and um, take care. Yeah, thanks so much for having me.